Well, I'm so thrilled that you have been joining us in this uh, series that we've been engaged in the last three weeks. Fourth and final week today, more than a story. It's about real people out of the Bible who experience real miracles. And the prevailing question that we've been uh, chasing down is every single week is how does that miracle from so long ago, how does that miracle really relate to our life? Does it really have anything to do with our lives today? And the answer to that is an absolute yes. Even though that miracle that was performed hundreds of years ago by Jesus uh, for, you know, a person at that time that had a need in their life or a group of people, as you'll see today, that had a need in their lives, uh, Jesus is still performing miracles today. And there's a lot that we can learn from them. And we're going to learn today. And so I'm excited about diving into this Uh, with you. Now, the miracle that we're going to focus on today is actually recorded three different times in the Bible, all in the New Testament, all in the Gospels. Matthew uh, mentions this miracle. So does Mark. And Mark, uh, you know, that's primarily what we're going to look at. I'll mention John's Gospel because it records it as well. But Matthew, Mark, and John all record this particular miracle. Now, this miracle And I want to speak to this one specifically for a moment. This miracle is only witnessed by a small group of people, just a small group. And the small group of people are actually the disciples of Jesus. And Jesus is going to use this miracle to teach his own disciples, his closest followers, and by the way, to teach us how to trust God in the tough times. Let me say that again. The miracle that we're about to look at, now it's mentioned in Matthew, it's mentioned in John's gospel. We're gonna look at it in Mark's account, but this is a miracle that taught them and teaches us, or should teach us, I hope it will, how to trust God in the tough times. Now let me just pause right here and ask you, do you know much about tough times? And I would imagine you certainly do. Uh, You may know about tough times from something that you've encountered in the past, or it may be all in your face even right now because you're right in the middle of a storm. And we're going to look at a storm that comes up suddenly, unexpectedly. um, And I want to just go ahead and uh, walk into that by giving you some background first. Now, let me tell you what happens, precedes this, just right before this miracle happens, Another miracle had happened, and it was probably one of the greatest miracles of all. It was when Jesus fed the 5,000. But next time you go back and you read about that fantastic miracle, I want you to realize what the language is. That when Jesus fed fed the 5,000, it says there were about 5,000 men. So really, it was a miracle that would feed probably much more than 5,000. Many scholars believe it could be upwards of 15,000. Because now if you include everybody, not just the men, but also their wives and kids, this is a lot of people. Probably more like 15,000 instead of 5,000. So it's, it's an amazing miracle. And what does Jesus do? He takes five loaves of bread. Think about this. Five loaves of bread and two small fish, and that, follow it this way, it equals, on this occasion, a catered meal for 15,000 people. Just five loaves of bread and two small fish, and Jesus takes it, and he blesses it, and he multiplies it, and he turns it into a miracle that will feed 15,000 people, probably. Now, that has just occurred. That's the background. 
after this happens, Jesus is headed for some prayer time. He's going to go up onto the mountain and pray. And he tells his disciples, he's dismissing the crowds. All right, the miracle has occurred. They've all, eaten, they've all been fed. And so now the crowd is dispersing. And Jesus is about to go up on the mountain, and he's going to pray. He's going to spend some time in prayer, in solitude with his heavenly Father, as he often uh, did. But now Jesus says to his uh, disciples, his closest band of followers, he says, I want you to get into the boat, and I want you to make your way up the coastland, up the coastline rather, to Bethsaida. And Bethsaida, just to give you a point of reference, is actually only about two hours away. So it would not require them to get out in the middle of the lake to cross to a far, far away distance. They're only going to skirt up to Bethsaida, which is about two hours. So they can basically go along the coastline all the way up the edge of the coastline. No problem with that, right? Simple. Stay near the coast, two hours away. Jesus said, I'm going to be up on that mountain praying, and you get in the boat, and you make your way to Bethsaida. It's going to take you just a little while to get there, and then I'll meet up with you there. So sounds simple, right? Sounds easy. No problems, no difficulties. That's exactly what the disciples thought, but man, they have no idea what kind of ride they're in store for. All right, Mark 6, I want you to look at it right here on the screen. Check this out with me. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, the crowd that's just eaten, 15,000 or so, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Look at this next portion. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, so it's dark now, and he was alone on land. The disciples are in the boat, making their way, what is to be up the coastline, to Bethsaida. Jesus is on the mountain praying. But he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Now, we're going to come back and we're going to pick that up in just a moment. But I want you to just think about this for just a moment. This is a totally unexpected storm. It comes absolutely out of nowhere. And it is so absolutely fierce that they are not where they intended to be, which is near the coast. But now they're out in the middle of the lake, in the middle of this storm, and the language says that they were straining at the oars. We left off at the A part of verse 48, pick up at the B part, about the fourth watch of the night. All right, middle of the night, fourth watch of the night, I'll come back to this. This is about 3 to 6 a.m. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, interesting. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was what? Look at this, that he was a ghost. They cried out. We get that, don't we? Because they, were all, they all saw him and were terrified. Look at this next part. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the, into the boat with them, and the wind, the storm, finally calmed down. Now, I have a question for you, and it's a really, really important question, so I want you to listen, listen closely. Did Jesus allow this storm? Did Jesus allow this storm? Are you ready for the answer? You already know it, don't you? Yes. 
Jesus allowed this storm. Now, if, you're, if you acknowledge that, like, yeah, it appears to us that Jesus most definitely, he's the one. Isn't it Jesus that told them to get into the boat, make their way up the coastline to Bethsaida? Didn't Jesus tell them to do that? Yeah, it was Jesus. Didn't Jesus know what was about to happen? Absolutely. He's omniscient. I'll mention that in just a moment. So certainly Jesus knew what was about to happen. And so you would have to say that Jesus allowed the storm then that would beg a further question. But why would Jesus allow the storm? See, I want to touch upon something that is really, really important that maybe we don't think about often enough. Maybe we don't even want to think about it. But Jesus is wanting them and us, by the way, to learn a very valuable lesson about faith and trust. See, at the end of the day, what is really, really important to Jesus is that you and I would spiritually grow. And can I just tell you, that you and I, generally speaking, do not develop great faith and a tremendous amount of trust in God when everything is calm and peaceful in our life. Let me say that again. When your faith is flourishing, when it's growing, when you're growing in your relationship with God, when your dependency upon God, when you're trusting God, when you're becoming more spiritually mature, that is usually not happening when things are peaceful in your life, when things are calm in your life. That generally happens when our faith is growing, when our trust is developing, when we're becoming a more solid follower of Jesus, a more mature Christian. Do you know when that most happens? It most often happens in the middle of the storm. So is Jesus allowing the storm? Yes, he is. Why is he? Because he wants to teach them a valuable lesson about faith and trust. And maybe right now you're going through a storm and you're like, does Jesus know? We'll get into this, but yes, he knows. Is Jesus allowing it? I'm not even saying that he's causing it, but is he allowing it? Perhaps he is because he's wanting you to know that you can trust him more and more. Now, in just a few moments, I'm going to show you what Jesus does by looking at this miracle when you and I are in the middle of the storm. So he may allow it, but it doesn't mean he's abandoned us. He may allow it to happen, but that doesn't mean, and we'll come to that. But before we get there, I want you to quickly jot down five things that you and I generally realize when we feel like we're sinking. And you know, that's, that's serious stuff. And maybe, you know, and I, and I feel that for you because maybe you feel like in some area of your life right now that you're sinking. You may feel like you're sinking in, you know, in your emotions, or you may feel that you're sinking financially, or that you've got a relationship that is being tossed and turned, or maybe you feel like you're sinking spiritually, that you once enjoyed a vibrant relationship with God. Uh, in some area of your life, you're watching right now, and you're like, you know, that's where I'm at. I, I, I feel like I'm sinking. Now, how do we know that we, you have that sense that we're sinking. I'll give you five things. Jot them down real quickly. When we feel that we're sinking, we generally have this idea, I cannot see clearly. I just can't see clearly. Now, when did this miracle happen? This miracle happened in the middle of the night. The language was, it was the fourth watch of the night. I mean, it's dark. It is exceedingly dark. It is somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. See, when you and I are in the middle of a storm and we feel like we're sinking, a lot of times we're going to have a sense of, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't know what to do. We may feel uh, disoriented. We may feel afraid, obviously. We may feel that we're emotionally paralyzed. But generally speaking, when you and I feel like we're sinking in some area of our life, 
And I don't know what it is for you, but a lot of times you feel just like the disciples did here in Mark 6, that you cannot see clearly. Secondly, you may feel like you're all alone. And you may feel that right now. The language was this. Jesus had not yet joined them. Now, that's out of John's gospel. You can look at the same miracle there in chapter 6. But in John's gospel, it said that, that Jesus had not yet joined them. He's been up on the mountain praying. They're out in the middle of the lake, not on the coastline, making their way to the Bethsaida. They're in the middle of the lake, straining with all their might because of this ferocious storms. A storm, but Jesus has not yet come to them. And that's, that may be what you feel like right now. You may feel like you're by yourself. You may feel like you're all alone. You may feel that God has abandoned you, or you may feel that God doesn't know, or that God is busier on some other major global task that he doesn't even know about. What is your little old storm, which doesn't feel very little when you're in the middle of it? But when you're sinking, you feel like you can't see clearly. You feel like you're all alone. Here's the third thing. You may feel like you're completely out of your comfort zone. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a creature of habit. And I probably got that from my mom. My mom was very detailed, very organized. And that's pretty much anybody that knows me, friends or family, they know that I'm a detailed, organized, like my routine, don't like having my routine interrupted. I like my comfort zone. But generally speaking, in the middle of a storm, we feel like we've been blown off course. That's how they felt, that they, they're not where they were supposed to be. Um, we feel insecure. We feel like, hey, you know, things are not, you know, my life has been turned upside down. So we may feel that uh, we're all alone. We may feel that we can't see clearly, that we're completely out of our comfort zone. A fourth thing, oftentimes when we feel like we're, we're in the middle of a storm and we feel like we're sinking, we feel like, see if this doesn't resonate with you, that we're in way over our head. It said the wind was against them. And the wind was ferocious, and they couldn't control it. There's so many things in our life that has happened or will happen that we have zero control over. And we don't like that if we like to control things. And so they felt like this storm was not sustainable. This is going to be the one that was going to take them down. And, and, you know, in the middle of a storm, when we feel like we're sinking, we may feel that. Hey, we're faced. Language actually used about this particular storm um, In Mark chapter 6, a word that is used is is mega, like this gigantic storm. This is not some small little squall out on the water. This is a massive, this is a horrendous storm that they're faced with, and they felt like they were in way over our head. And generally when we're sinking, that's exactly how we feel. Here's another thing we may feel when we're sinking. Like I'm fighting, but I'm failing. I'm straining, it said, the disciples were at the oars. They were giving it all that they've got, and they couldn't move any closer to where they intended to be. They're out of their comfort zone. They're not on the coastline. They're in the middle of the lake fighting this storm, and they're doing their best, but it doesn't seemingly make a difference. And that may be how you feel at times. You may feel like, you know what? I'm giving it the best that I've got, but my best is not good enough. Now, let's transition here. Those five things you have, uh, I hope you wrote them down, but maybe you are in a season of your life right now that is incredibly stormy and very turbulent. And I want you to be encouraged today. I really do. You may feel like the wind is against you. You may feel like people are against you. You may feel like circumstances are against you. You may feel that God is against you. And you may feel that the waves are lapping over into your boat. And that you are sinking. Like I said a moment ago, you may feel like this is the one 
that's so big, mega storm. It's going to be the one that's going to take you down. This is going to be irreparable. You may feel like you're sinking in your job. Or you may feel like you're sinking in debt. And you're like, I'll never get out of debt. Or you may feel like you're sinking with your health. You're like, hey, six months ago, my health was fine. And I feel like I'm falling apart and had this show up. And this has come back. And I've got to have a test for that. Or I'm having surgery for this. And so now all of a sudden, your otherwise stable health is not stable anymore. And you may feel like you're sinking. You may feel like you're sinking in your marriage. You may feel like you're sinking in your relationship with your kids, and that's all out of whack, or you're sinking in a situation with your aging parents. You don't know what to do. You're totally confused. You may feel like you're sinking in your emotions or you're sinking in your mind. You may even be wondering, where is God? Where is God? Does he even know what I'm going through? I mean, I've been serving him. I've been trying to do my best. Does God even know? Is this the thing that really, is this the one that's going to sink me? Is there any help out there? Is there any hope for my life? Now, if you're feeling that way, this is a message that is exactly for you. Because anytime you're going through a storm, it's crucial that you do these four things, and this is right out of this miracle that happens here in March 6. It's recorded, as I mentioned to you, in John's Gospel, Matthew's Gospel. You can look at it there later. Now, four things. Are you ready? Be sure you've got your iPad, your tablet, your notepad. A lot of people, when I talk to them, when I see them, uh, they say, hey, I'm watching every single week. I'm taking notes right along with you. You don't want to miss this because this is going to encourage you if you're in the middle of a storm. Number one, When you're in the middle of a storm, just as the disciples were, you've got to remember this. Remember, number one, that Jesus is praying for you. Is he really praying for me? He's really praying for you. See, even before this storm, because what Jesus is doing, he's allowing the storm. Remember that? We mentioned it. He is allowing the storm. Why? Because he's mad at them. No, he's not mad at them. He loves them. But he knows that they've got to grow. He knows that his own disciples, who he's about to entrust his mission to, that they need to grow in their faith and they need to grow in their trust. And he's allowing the storm. And he wants them to know that he is praying for them. Think about this. Even before this storm ever hit, Jesus is praying for his disciples. I want you to think about it this way. They may have been caught completely off guard, but Jesus is not surprised at all. In fact, he already knew what was going to happen. And because Jesus, think about this, because Jesus already knew what was going to happen, he is already praying for them. Can I just tell you that? Because Jesus already knows. You see, Jesus is omniscient. Omniscient means that he knows everything. Do you know that Jesus can know the past, the present, and the future all at once? And you may be in the middle of a storm, and you didn't even see it coming, but Jesus saw it coming long before it ever occurred in your life. And guess what Jesus was doing for you? Even before the storm hit, Jesus was praying for you. See, the disciples, all they can see is the storm, mega storm. This is like a monsoon. They see the storm, but because Jesus can see the future, guess what Jesus sees? Jesus can already see the miracle. Guess what? That is true in your life. Right now, you may say, I'm in this storm. I've been hit unexpected, taken by surprise. I feel like I'm going down. I feel like I'm sinking. Listen, Jesus knew you'd be walking through this, and you may see the storm, the mega storm, but Jesus has already seen the miracle for your life. He already knows the future outcome of it. Now, 
Now just think about that. And here Jesus was, even before these disciples even felt the slightest of breeze against their faces, Jesus was already up on the mountain and he was praying and he was praying for them. I want to ask you a question. How does it make you feel when somebody says to you, I'm praying for you? You're walking through a storm. You've got something going on in your family, your health, your career, your finances. You've got something going on in your emotions, your mind. And and you've got people that you've made yourself vulnerable with. And here's what you hear them say back. I'm praying for you. How does that make you feel? Makes you feel pretty great, doesn't it? Can I just tell you something that ought to be even more meaningful? And that's special. But what, even, what is even more meaningful that, than that is to know that Jesus, I wish you could hear him say it. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Jesus, because he is omniscient, he knew what was going to happen that is occurring in your life right now. And he's already been praying for you. If you could only hear Jesus say, I'm praying for you. And you're like, Jeff, you know, that sounds good. And, you know, you're like a preacher man. And so I expect you to say something like that. But can you prove it? And I'll prove it. I want you to look right here on the screen. Look at this verse. Who is he that condemns? It's asking the question. Paul is in Romans. Well, it's not Christ Jesus. Who is he that condemns? It's like not Jesus. What is Christ Jesus doing? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life. Look at this. This is for you right here, right now. This is true in your life. What is Jesus doing? He is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's at the right hand of God right now, and he is praying for you. Have you ever considered this? I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to move on. But have you ever considered this? The teaching ministry of Jesus lasted how long? Three years. Guess how long his prayer ministry has been going on? Over 2,000 years in running now. And prayer is pretty important to Jesus. He taught for three years. He's been praying now for over 2,000 years, and he's praying for you. Secondly, you got to be sure you get this. You need to also remember that Jesus is fully aware of your struggle. See, earlier I mentioned you may feel when you're sinking like you're all alone. Does God even know? Does God even care? Here I am in the middle of this storm, and is he even cognizant of the fact that I'm walking through this. I'm telling you, he is fully aware. He not only knew it ahead of time and was praying for you ahead of time, he's fully aware of what's going on in your life right now. Verse 48 said this, he saw the disciples straining at the oars. Now, you need to hear this, and I want you to hear it clearly. And maybe you've got a little slight distraction running around uh, right now. I want you to just stop, stop, pause, and I want you to really listen to this. Jesus knows what you're struggling with. He does. Everything about it. Everything about it. In fact, can I say this? He knows more about it than even you do, and you know a lot about it. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're straining. He knows what you're up against. See, this is what Jesus knows about you. You're listening. He knows your tears, and he knows your fears. He knows your frustration. He knows your pain. Jesus has seen every sleepless night that you've ever had. He knows about every restless day. He knows when you're sad. He knows when you're disappointed. Please be aware of this. Jesus is aware of every single detail of your life. Every detail, Jeff, every detail. You know what the scripture says. You know this. If you've been following Jesus for some time or you grew up in or around church, the Bible says that Jesus knows us so well, God knows us so well, that he knows. He's got a head count of our hairs, no pun intended. 
He's got a, he's got a, he knows how many hairs are on your head. That's how, that's how well acquainted that Jesus is with you. But listen, there's something else that God knows about you. He counts every step that you take. Let me ask you this. Do you do that in the course of a day? Do you count every step you take? Here I go, one, two, and throughout the day. Do you count every step you take? God does. You say, no, I, I don't, but my Fitbit does or my Apple Watch does. Smarty pants, I, I know where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah, but Jesus counts your steps. You're like, oh, come on, Jeff. Are you, are you just making that up? Is that what, it, does he really know me that well? I want you to look. We're going to reach back into the Old Testament, but this is such a great verse. You'll want to write it down. Job 31.4 says, God knows everything I do. Think about that. God knows everything I do. Look at this highlighted phrase. He sees every step I take. You take your first step in the morning when you get out of bed, and your second and third and throughout the day. No matter, God knows you so well, he counts every step you take. Listen, friends, you need to be encouraged today. You need to have hope today because Jesus is not only praying for you, he started praying for you before you ever started walking through what you're walking through, but he is aware of every bit of struggle that you're faced with. Thirdly, you need to be sure you get this. Jesus comes to you in your moment of desperation. That's what he did for the disciples. In the moment of their desperation, you saw this earlier, just listen to it this time. Verse 48 again. About the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them. And that matters a whole lot. Jesus went out to them. Remember, this is the middle of the night. They are not, uh, you know, skirting the coastline up to Bethsaida two hours away. Oh, no, it's not two hours. This is hours and hours after that. They've been detoured by a megastorm. They're in the middle of the lake. They're straining against the oars. And about the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them. And listen, Jesus is going to come to you. He's already praying for you. He's already aware of everything that you're faced with. See, Jesus always knows the exact moment to show up. He does. Jesus always knows the exact moment to show up. Can I just tell you this? He doesn't show up too early or it will stymie your faith. But he never shows up too late or it will sink your boat. Let me say that again. Jesus is not going to show up too early or your faith doesn't have a chance to grow. You will always be spiritually at a place where you're just not growing and maturing and trusting and having faith. Jesus is not going to come too early and interrupt the growth of your faith, but he's never going to come so late that your boat has already sunk. I so love this about Jesus in general and this miracle in particular. Jesus never once said, you go back and reread it for yourself. Jesus never once said, he never stood on the shoreline and said, hey boys, come over here, come to me. I want you, hey, come on, work a little bit harder. I know you're giving it everything you've got, but give it a little more oomph. Just come on, just make your way. I'm staying here, you come to me. No, Jesus didn't ask them to come to him. Jesus actually went to them. I want you to read this verse with me out loud if you're at a place where you can. John 14, 18. Let's read it together out loud. I will not abandon you. This is what Jesus is saying. I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans in the storm. I will come to you. I will come to you. Let's read it one more time. I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans in the storm. I will come to you. I want you to think about that. 
Jesus is not only praying for you. He not only knows every detail about what you're walking through right now. He knows every hair on your head. He counts every step that you take. Jesus is praying for you. He knows your struggle. Jesus comes to you. Fourthly and finally, be sure you get this. Jesus shows you who he is. He shows you who he is. I want to touch on this and see if it made sense to you. You and I usually know and recognize Jesus best in the middle of the storm. You need me to say it again? You and I generally recognize Jesus best in the middle of the storm. Just think about that. Are you usually looking for Jesus when everything is going great in your life? Be honest with yourself now. Probably not. See, there's this human tendency that we have. It's part of our nature. Not good, but it's part of our nature. And that is, generally when things are going well in our life, we don't see Jesus with that same level of intensity. We become self-reliant. We become self-dependent. And we become passive. We can become apathetic. We can become casual about spiritual matters. But I'm telling you, when the heat is on and we're in the middle of the storm, we recognize Jesus like we've never seen him before. When an unexpected storm blows in, we're looking for Jesus everywhere. We're looking for him in the Bible. That Bible that you maybe have not picked up in a long, long time. Guess what you do? You pick it up. Why? Because you're looking for Jesus in his word. You're looking for Jesus in your prayers. Your prayer life that may be so off kilter, your prayer life that you may have been aloof about, all of a sudden prayer becomes meaningful and important to you and you start looking for Jesus in your prayers. Are you being haphazard about attending church in some, out some, depends on what's going on or if you've got something better to do? Guess what happens in the middle of a storm? You're looking for Jesus in the Bible. You're looking for Jesus in your prayers. You're looking for Jesus in church. You're looking for Jesus, an awareness of his presence. And can I just tell you, listen, Jesus never disappoints. He doesn't. Look at this, uh, this verse. Actually, it's two verses here. But when they saw him walking on the water, they thought he was a ghost and cried out. They all saw him and were afraid. This is really important what happens next. Look at this. But quickly Jesus spoke to them and said, have courage. It is I. It is I. Do not be afraid. Have courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. You know what Jesus is saying? He's revealing himself. See, you and I recognize Jesus better in the middle of the storm because we're looking for Jesus more so in the middle of the storm. And Jesus walks in. Again, he doesn't say, hey, you come to me and, you know, I'm just going to be stubborn. I'm going to be resistant. My feet are in concrete. You come to me. You know what Jesus does? He's not only praying. He's not only aware, but he comes to us. And when he does... He reveals himself. Jesus walked out to them and said, hey, guys, it's me. It is I. Don't be afraid. He's actually using language that is similar to his father's name. See, in the Old Testament, it's revealed. The name for God is this. And there's various names for God. But God reveals himself in this way. I am. You remember this? If you've studied the Old Testament, I am that I am. And that's what Jesus is saying. I am. You know what Jesus is actually declaring in this miracle of Mark in Mark chapter 6? He is declaring, I'm God. I'm God. It is I. I am that I am. I am God. In fact, on at least 17 different occasions that I'm aware of, Jesus says, I am. And I'll not mention all 17, but you can go and do that study on your own. But he does say, you remember when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He says that. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the door. 
only way to the Father is through me. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. You want to stay engrafted in me. If you want to grow and flourish in your life, you can't do it independent of me. You've got to be in me and I in you. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm watching over you just like a faithful shepherd would for his sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life. All that and more. And you know what I want you to hear before we're done today? Jesus is all that you need and so much more. What do you do in the middle of a storm? You know this, that Jesus knew it was coming and he's praying for you. That Jesus knows every detail about what you're going. He knows you so well. Every hair, every step, he knows what you're going. And he doesn't sit around and wait for you to come to him. Jesus comes to you and he reveals himself. And he says, I am that I am. I'm all that you need. What is Jesus saying in that? He is saying this. I am. Because I am, you don't have to be afraid. I'm right here with you. I'm right beside you. I've come to you. I've walked out to you. And I hope that you'll embrace that today. What kind of storm are you going through right now that has you afraid? And I want to just ask you a follow-up to that. Will you trust Jesus? Will you? Will you just say, you know what, Jeff, this is exactly what I needed to hear today because I am afraid and I'm discouraged and I'm, I'm in the middle of something that I never saw coming. But I believe this miracle occurred and I believe Jesus was not only teaching them, but he's teaching me to trust him and to have faith that he was already praying for me because he knew I'd be walking through this and he knows what I'm going through and he's revealing himself more and more to me. Will you trust him? Those of you that are not yet Christians, Jesus said, you heard me mention a moment ago, I am the way and the truth and the life. See, nobody gets to God but through Jesus. You know, I often say it like this, and our church family has heard it. If there were 10 ways to get to God, we'd talk about all 10 of them. But there's just one way to God, and you have to go through Jesus. See, here's the good news, though. Jesus has already come to you. He's not even waiting for you to come to him. He came to you. He initiated it. That's why right now you're watching and you're like, what's going on in my life? That's not just you. That is the Holy Spirit that is getting your attention and letting you know Jesus has come to you. Now, what's your part? Jesus has already done his part when he went to the cross and he died for our sins so that they would be forgiven. Jesus has already done his part because he's come to you. What's your part? Open the door and say yes to Jesus. And I hope you'll do that right now. Let's pray. God, for every person that is right now walking through a storm, Help them to realize that they can trust you, that you're already praying for them and you know what they're faced with and you're meeting them in the storm. You're not going to leave them out in the middle of the storm on their own. You're going to walk out to them and you're going to reveal yourself to them. I am that I am. You're everything that they need. And I pray that they would trust you and believe in you and that you would use this time in their life. What you want to use it for is not to defeat them or to destroy them, but to grow them. And I pray that that would happen. And then for those that would say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming to me. I open the door of my life. I say yes to Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new start. And help me with your power and with your grace to become everything that you want me to be and everything that I really want to become. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody.